but it is a decision. Like you decide if I want to step into this version of myself. I decide if I want to do this work. I decide if I want to show up even if I'm scared. And if you make that decision to become a more confident version of yourself, there will 100% be people who don't like you. Um, It's just going to be a fact. And it could be because... Welcome back to Experable. I'm your host, Krati Mehra. And in this show, we learn from the success and struggles of people we admire and dive deep into concepts that help us expand the possibilities available to us so we can freely, boldly design the life we desire, discover the depth and breadth of our capabilities, access the wisdom available in the world around us, and even on really bad days, love what we see in the mirror. Are you ready? Let's go. Hello and welcome back to Experable. In today's episode, I am talking to Elizabeth Hodgkins, a woman determined to create a world where confidence is abundant, opportunities are ample, and nobody's dreams ever get denied. To further her mission, Elizabeth, along with her mother, co-founded Trades of Hope, a multi-million dollar ethical fashion brand globally creating job opportunities for women so they can lead their families out of poverty and human trafficking. Pretty impressive, right? Well, it gets better. During the conversation, we talked about how Trades of Hope came into being and what it's like running a business that impacts so many lives and has such a deep emotional investment. And we also learn about how Elizabeth balances all of her roles because apart from being a co-founder and chief brand officer for Trades of Hope, Elizabeth is also a highly sought after coach and mentor. We dove into what it's like for Elizabeth to work with and so assiduously promote women from underserved communities and at the same time, coach budding entrepreneurs who may have completely different worldview and a different level of privilege. We talk about what it takes to emotionally balance high intensity roles, remain confident in moments of crisis, find strength in our vulnerabilities, and how having your baby picture on display can be a total game changer. This is a must listen for all budding entrepreneurs, coaches, and anyone drowning their dreams and ambitions in external or internal negativity and self-doubt. Let's get to it. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. For doing this interview, I am so excited that you're here because you are a very confident go-getter and you play so many roles that I am so sure that my listeners are going to love learning about those roles and learning about what is it that helps you get all of this done, be show up the way you do so authentically, so confidently and share so much of yourself with the world. So can we please just learn a little bit about the roles you play and which one is your favorite? Like which one has your maximum investment? That's a great question. Um, I I do juggle a lot of things, but definitely what I spend the most energy on, what takes the most hours out of my week. And what I say most of my passion funnels into is definitely Trades of Hope, which is the ethical fashion brands that I co-founded and I lead today because... Um, our sole mission, you know, I don't love fashion or accessories that much. Our sole mission is to partner with women around the world to create job opportunities for them. So, uh, you know, I have a, a big background in um, nonprofit work and just really felt like this was not it just re- wasn't really helping any anyone or anything long term. And so um, I'm really passionate about Traits of Hope. And that's probably the, the hat that I wear uh I don't want to say the proudest, but I I think I would say the most passionately. 
I can understand that because Trades of Hope, when I, as I read about it, I've not learned everything about it because I've wanted to learn it from you, uh, mm-hmm. but it fascinated me and it, it made me glad. I'm always glad when I learn about people who could be doing anything, but they're choosing to do something that combines their passion, their ambitions with something that also helps change the world for, you know, even if it's just a little bit, uh, especially when it helps women. So can we please learn a little bit more about Trades of Hope, how it came into being and how did you like come up with the idea? As you say, you're not all that much into fashion and accessories, which was, which is surprising <laughs> because you like, you, you carry all of that with you so wonderfully. So can I, can we, I would love to learn how Trades of Hope came into being. Absolutely. Well, as a disclaimer, I do like fashion accessories now, but it definitely was not what sparked right. uh, starting Traits of Hope. As I said, I come from a background. My family has um, done or did do nonprofit work since I was five years old. My mom started an orphanage in in Haiti after she saw really corrupt orphanages there. She wanted to wow. start one that um, would actually take care of the children and, mm-hmm. and put them first. And that was when I was five. So I had a front row seat to what it looks like for a woman to not just talk about issues or complain about issues or say that one day she's going to do something. But I, have a, I had a front row seat to a woman who just took action on an injustice that she saw in the world. And um she didn't really even talk about it at all. She just did it. She just did what she felt like was right in in the world. And um, that led to me going to Haiti um, and seeing a reality that was much more, much different than my reality. You know, I'm from the United States. I grew up in a a very privileged home and uh, I went to Haiti for the first time when I was eight years old. So um, very young, very formative. And it just showed me, you know, that how privileged I was. And I learned through my mom's actions that, um, or I I guess I should say, you know, I don't want to project this onto other people, but I then felt even at eight years old that my privilege put me in a position where I couldn't just forget about things that I saw in the world and injustices I saw, like it gave me a responsibility to do something about them. Now in all of the nonprofit work that we did, we didn't, you know, we had, um, an orphanage. It also evolved into adding on a school and a medical clinic in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. And that was really cool. And absolutely a lot of people were helped. But, you know, my mom and I had a conversation around how the community around that orphanage remained in poverty. Like it was not really changing communities. It was there was no long-term change that was, you know, there, people were helped along the way, but there was no long-term solutions to the poverty that was sur- that surrounded us. Um, right. And about a decade after my mom started that orphanage and, and she shared these, these conversations with me, she really learned more about microfinancing and how powerful a woman can become if she, gave, if she received even just a very small, small business loan. Like we're not talking hundreds of dollars or anything like that, much less. Like if you gave a woman a small business loan, she would turn that into a thriving business and not only lead herself out of poverty, but her family and her community. And it it evolved into, well, none of us are bankers. None of us are like financers. Um, but at the same time, this is about in 2010, like fair trade accessories were on the rise. I feel like it was very common to receive like, a um a gift of that is like a bracelet that has beads rolled of paper made in Uganda like this became at least in in the United States I should say it went on the rise because I mean this was 
of fair trade products were already abundantly being made in places like India. Um, but just right. all of us in the U.S. were just catching on to um, like fair trade principles and what it means for something to be made in in a way in which the person who made it receives a living wage. And so that starts to be on the rise in the U.S. And we realized, well, what if we could create a product or products that are made by women? They work in safe, dignified environments. They receive living wages for their work, depending on what their region is, mm-hmm. um, not just a minimum wage. And by selling that product, we increase the demand for that product and increase um, the, the work opportunities for women when they don't when they don't have any other safe, sustainable options. Um, and that's how Trades of Hope came to be. Well, that <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't as simple <laughs> you've just no, really definitely not. The process for our benefit <laughs> but it is such a wonderful thing first of all that at the at such a young age like at eight years old you were thinking about you were acknowledging your privilege and you were looking mm-hmm. at the world through that those eyes where in you were thinking about what you can do to give back and build a better world that's amazing first of all your mom sounds really cool <laughs> definitely i I think this is one of the things that really um, I just notice this all the time with the work that I do and with the women that I meet all the time. The women, if you just believe in them a little bit and you just give them a little space to flex their sort of their talent, their wings, so to say, they're unstoppable. That's something that I've always noticed. And it's so wonderful to know that you've made that possible for women across the world. So that's amazing. But uh, like, can we learn a little bit more about the role that you play with Trades of Hope? Uh, and how how are you balancing that role with all the other roles that you play? You also have a YouTube channel. You have a podcast. How does that work? Absolutely. So uh, my focus at Trades of Hope is, in addition to being a co-founder, I'm the chief brand officer. And as chief brand officer, I take immense responsibility for, of course, our, our, our brands, but also our brand messaging, our brand promise, our brand positioning, and then the experience of the brand from our customer's perspective. And so I think a lot about um, like the language that we use is very important to me, especially as we advocate on behalf of other women around the world. It's very important to me that we do so in a, a dignified way that um, communicates their autonomy in this process. And that means that I kind of have my hands a little bit in, in everything because I want to ensure that the experience of our brand from beginning to end um, is, is meaningful. You know, I want to make sure that, of course, we communicate everything with dignity for the women of Um, for whom we advocate for. But I also want to make sure that our customer realizes our gratitude, how grateful we are, because we couldn't do what we do without our customers. I also want them to know um, the impact that they're making when they shop, what that looks like, how they are participating in in our, our movement that we're trying to create. And then lastly, I want to make sure that everything's done to a level of excellence. And and that is so that not only our customer has a great experience, but also, you know, I think about the women who make our product, they don't have control over like our website or our emails or customer service, but it's, we do all of that to ensure that more people want to buy their product. So not only do I want to make sure operationally we're excellent for the customer, but also for the women who make our products so that we can continue to sell more. You know, they're showing up to their side. They have this am- the amazing craftsmanship. They're so good at what they do. I want to make sure we're really good at what we do so we can approach this partnership from ec- excellence on both sides and sell more of their product. 
Yeah, that sounds <laughs> that sounds a lot of work, but and I think it also requires like a degree of sensitivity, especially where communication is concerned, and when that communication happens with people from like different echelons of society, from different classes. Mm-hmm. I would love to understand like when you started building up Trades of Hope. You uh, obviously like from your website, it seems that you work with women from underprivileged communities. So what was that like connecting with because I have volunteered with women like that. I know you really need to step out of sort of your world and enter their world and embrace what that all of, you know, all of that it means for these women, what what that's like from day to day and sort of the limitations they kind of carry with them almost constantly and then helping them step away from that those ideas and helping them see the world with all its possibilities so what was that like for you as you started doing that work working with these women first of all started very organically and you know we it's happened in a multitude of ways so in Haiti we had a lot of connections and a network in Haiti and so it was very easy to learn of women who wanted to create jewelry and had a, a certain craft and could create something consistently so that was kind of on a relational um referral uh, basis. Um, but then there were already at this point women creating products in in countries like India, Thailand, the Philippines, like they're already creating the product and it's already mm-hmm. so good. They just need a platform basically in, in which to sell it. And so we're happy to, to be that platform. And you talk about, you mean, you asked about wh- like women and, and kind of helping them change their perspective of maybe themselves or their situation. And I found that it does not take much like the, because these women have been marginalized in their communities, very often disrespected, their voice isn't valued, their thoughts are not valued, that even just picking up one of their products to add to our collection means so much to them. Like you valued yeah. my creativity, you valued the work of my hands. Like I like sometimes they'll 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 let us know like when I've been there in person and said, "Oh, I like that bracelet. We have to carry that bracelet." They'll, you know, someone will jump up across the room and say, "I designed that bracelet. That was my idea." <laughs> and, and they're just like it's like they're being chosen for yeah. for some of them for the first time and they're just as you said just giving someone a small opportunity just giving someone some some space to show the world what they're capable of women flourish they they just they really open up it's so so beautiful so i don't even think we have to do much really and them seeing that through their work, you know, it's not even us really, like through their work, they are providing for themselves. They are providing for their families. They're reaching financial goals. They didn't know what was possible for them. And that builds their confidence and, and their, their peace of mind. And more so than anything I could tell them, I just help create an infrastructure in which they can create that for themselves. And, um, I think that's where the confidence comes from, them doing things themselves and providing for themselves in ways that they might not have planned on. It's like they surprise themselves. And I love that. I love that they're realizing how how amazing they are. Yeah, <laughs> that's so beautiful. I did this workshop with women in their 50s from uh, Rajasthan, it's a state in India. They wanted to start applying for bank loans. And so they wanted to learn how to talk to the people in the bank and so I was just, just, I was so new to that kind of work. Like I was just volunteering because I was in depression at the time and I wanted to sort of get out of that space and just That's do awesome. something that reminds me, okay, there's so much more going on in the world and sort of let's just right. 
for a few minutes, step away from your own pain. So I would meet these women and it was like, okay, you're in your 50s. You barely have any, any education and you want to not just like do a little thing. You actually want to build a business and then you want to scale it and you've got a business plan. I used to, I have to admit, like I judged, I was judgmental. I was very surprised because I quite didn't quite believe that women like that would have such aspirations. But as that opened my eyes, I realized that, okay, this is actually bigger than you can even imagine because now, especially in India, I very often see like when Olympics happens, these, all of these incredible athletes, when you hear their story, they come from nothing. And they have risen to that level where they are representing their country on these very, very competitive platforms. And I think these stories, like working with these women, helping them, you know, go into that bank with confidence, they sort of already have the confidence. They just need the tools. They just need the chops, you know, to play that role that they have taken on. And then all of these women who are, you know, born in poverty, in extreme poverty. And despite that, they're able to dream of this different world where they're not only going to compete, they're going to represent their country. Like in Olympics, the national anthem plays when you win. Like that is a dream mm. they carry that I'm going to go to this country and I'm I'm going to be the reason the national anthem of my country plays in that country. So which is right. such a huge dream, but also so beautiful. So this always amazes me that women like us, women who are born with in privilege, who get education, who get everything they want to realize their dreams are still so reluctant to actually go all out and pursue their dreams we have confidence issues we have so much self-doubt that we have to work through then we are always making up our own problems like oh i don't know how to do this i don't know how to figure this out and then there are these women who just they're you would think that considering the circumstances they're born in it would be hard for them to even dream of just like a nice life Instead, they're not just dreaming of that nice life. They're dreaming of this huge, huge life where they are not just going to change their own world. They're going to change their communities. uh, Like their community is going to change. The the world will recognize their country for something. It's amazing. So what what do you think is happening? Like considering you work with, like you're as a coach, you interact with women from your own world. And then you are doing all of this work with women from across the world, from different kind of communities. Why do you think this happens? What is that one spark that you need to make you believe that, okay, everything's possible now. So let's get started. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. And I, I love how you worded that. And I, and I feel like someone really needs to hear it. Like when you have every opportunity available to you, it it's so easy to create problems that don't exist, to create problems that will hold you back, that that um, just ha- honestly, that aren't even real problems manifested in the world. They're in your mind. <laughs> They're not even real. Um, I bet that there are women listening right now who are like, yep, yeah, that's me. I'm doing that right now. Um, I love the way that you worded that so directly. I think the thing that I've noticed as far as my coaching clients is a lot of them feel isolated in their dreams. Like they feel like they don't have someone to talk to. They don't have um, like a community of other ambitious women. And maybe they have like loving partners in their lives, but they don't want to do the same things. You know, maybe they're ambitious as well, but they don't have the same kind of ambition. And so they're not really running towards the same, like running the same race at the same time. Um, And I say this because I've noticed a lot of women will hire me 
spend a lot of money for a call with me. And and really they say like, oh, this is my dream. I want to go for this. I want to do this. I have this vision of this life that I could have. Do you think I should do it? And I'm like, yes, of course I think you should do it. They always kind of come and, and ask for permission. Yeah. And, and to be fair, a lot of these women are doing things that that are being done for the first time within their communities, mm-hmm. you know, within, you know, their neighborhood or their family. Like no one has tried to reach for a certain level of wealth or no one has tried to um, work in this industry. And so I get it. They don't, they don't, they don't have someone necessarily in their personal life um, as an example. And again, a lot of women I'm realizing are lacking um, community with other ambitious women. I, I just feel like women need to get together with other ambitious women like a couple times a month or something just to talk about some of what those like some of the burdens of ambition, some of the fears mm-hmm. of ambition, um, some of the mind games that happen with ambition. I mean, online would be fine. In person would be better. But so everyone's lacking that because right. even certain insecurities that you have, as soon as you voice them out loud to someone, it's so much easier to say like, Oh, wait, I don't, that's actually not really a big deal. I don't know why I was worried about it. But it's when it lives in your head that, as you said, it, it, it is a, it's creating a problem for yourself and it will hold, it will hold people back. And I've just noticed most of the people, when they get on a call with me, they're just asking for permission to do what they already want to do. And I can't tell you how many women tell me, these are my dreams. I'm, I think I would love to build this kind of business and I would like to have this kind of family and I would like to live here and I would like to travel a lot, but I don't really know what I want. And I'll just kind of be like, you just told me what you want. You just told me. What you want. <laughs> I think a lot of women are also afraid to articulate what they want. Nonetheless, like go for the dream that they have. Yeah. It's almost like they need validation, right? Yeah. Which is, yeah. yeah. So, I know that you coach, you also play a role as a coach. You mentor a lot of women. You yourself are a successful entrepreneur. What Every time you have a new client, I bet that you have to like bridge the gap and step down from like your place of confidence and meet them where they're at. So can you please share a little bit of that journey? And what have you noticed? Like what is the standout thing that you've noticed across um uh, like it would be hard to say, like cover all of your clients, but just something that, that has really stood out to you, like these are the issues that you keep encountering over and over again with most of your clients that's holding them back, considering you your focus is on giving them a lot of confidence so that they can reach out for their dreams. That's a great question. Um, to answer your first question, I do start off calls, especially if I'm meeting someone new, definitely meeting women where they're at. You know, I'll... they will always, as soon as they tell me what they want, what dream they want to work towards, it's very quickly followed up with the reasons why they think they shouldn't go for it or the reasons why they shouldn't do it. And what I ensure that I do is I I always prioritize validating those fears and not validating like confirming them, but um, acknowledging like it's extremely normal that you feel that way. Yeah. Other women feel that way. I have felt that way. Maybe I felt that way last week. Like it's so normal because I think a lot of women feel insecurities or doubts or they have like negative thoughts in their mind and they take that as a reason to quit or it's like a red flag that they should turn around and not go for it when really it's an extremely natural part of the process. And actually it would be more strange. It would be weird if people didn't have any of those thoughts. Like that would be 
that might be more cause for concern. Like, is this really what you want? Does this dream feel big enough for you if you don't have any, like anything negative come up? Um, We're just all so prone to leaning into and following the good feelings when good Mm. feelings and hard feelings, bad feelings, like they're all a part of our human experience. And we don't have to just because something feels uncomfortable or difficult doesn't mean that it's bad or a red flag. So I always really ensure to um, maybe not validate the thought that they're having, but validate the feeling. Like I know how it feels to have that thought. It is very, very normal. And and you don't have to stay that way. Like you don't have to stay in this place. Um, and, And that's how pretty much every client relationship of mine begins because we all have something. And, you know, I have a coach and a mentor to ensure that I'm being poured into so that I can pour out to, to my clients. And I, you know, whether it's a logistical question or like a, a mental question, an emotional question, um, she does the same for me as well. And I think that that's good. But on the other hand, what you just asked me far, as far as like, what is something that you see comes up on a reoccurring basis across all your clients. It truly is, as you said, like the validation, the the seeking external validation. And I don't know, I don't really know what to do about the fact that we live in this global society. I mean, it looks different country to country and even region to region, but we do have this global society in which there is this confidence deficit among women. Like you look at men and you look at women and maybe it's just the like history. Maybe it's just the fact that before civilized society, women are, you know, women have always been less physically strong. So before a civilized society, of course, that means that we would be like in a less confident position. I'm sure it's rooted in that. But then we do have things like media and other like systems and constructs in across the world that keep women in that that deficit of confidence. Mm. And I don't know what to do about that yet other than be an example of a woman who is confident. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I'm sure you could speak to this as well because I know empowering women to be confident is important to you as well. But, you know, you can, for, for example, you can tell, you can look at a 16-year-old girl and say, oh, don't, don't wish your life away. You're young now. Like, don't try to grow up too fast. Yeah. And she's never going to get that lesson until she is in her is yeah. 10 years later, 26 and realize, yeah. oh, yeah, I, I should have appreciated my teen years more. And I shouldn't have like you can't yeah. learn it. Just you can't teach that lesson by telling them you have to show them. Mm-hmm. And um, or, or another example is you can't tell a single woman who wants to, you know, find a partner like. Oh, just enjoy your single days. Like, you know, your 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 worth right. isn't based on if you have a partner or not. You can't tell someone that lesson and ha- instill it in them. But what's much more powerful is to be the example of a single woman who doesn't have a partner, who loves herself, who knows her self-worth. That's yeah. going to teach more lessons. That's going to teach mm-hmm. more women by just embodying that and living that out in, in some public way. And so I guess that is how I personally try to address this confident deficit, confidence Mm -hmm. deficit among females is I just want to be an example of a woman who chooses to be confident, chooses to show up, chooses to not let the insecurities that she has hold her back. Um, And I think that's why my clients come to me is because they think like, oh, you know, they might think, oh, I want help starting a business. But I think what they really want is they 
the guidance on how they can be a woman that doesn't let those things hold them back. Yeah, and I think you do that beautifully. And I do agree with that because often when you're conducting a session, like my clients would ask me about my experience with that. They want stories from my life because that sort of makes them, apart from the fact that they suddenly feel like, oh, this is a shared experience. So yeah, exactly what you said. They need that, that they need to believe that, oh, I'm not the only one who's going through this and this is normal and this is okay for me to feel. So that's, yeah, you, you really got that point right. And I'm glad you mentioned it. I will say though that, you know, just based on uh, scientific studies that have been conducted in the area, women are emotionally more sensitive. Like, let's just accept that. I don't know why women yeah. resist uh, <laughs> that. I'm knowledge. sensitive. I'll admit it. <laughs> well, of course. Uh, so I, it's perfectly natural. Like, we're the nurturers. We give birth. We raise our babies. So we kind of have to be. It's a superpower. I don't know why women are so resistant to that. Like, no, yeah. we're as strong as men. Or no, we're in some ways not. And in some ways, so much more stronger than yeah. men. So you, yeah. you got to acknowledge it. I think if you acknowledge it sort of the the issue is not no longer an issue it's just how things are and you have to find a workaround and then there's also uh the same studies have also revealed that women are more inclined to focus on the negatives like they need everything to fall into place before they'll take forward uh, like they'll move forward with anything so let's just accept it that that's how our brain works and then figure out a way to not let that be an issue in our life let let's just figure out a way not to I do, I don't know if you'll agree with me or not, but I do find this whole narrative of like extreme feminism where we're like, it's all rara, like, you know, I'm a lioness, I'm a tigress. It sort of takes away your right to be vulnerable. I feel like that narrative is is not doing justice to the whole feminine experience. And then there's also the other thing where we're constantly competing with men. Do you ever find that to be true where all of this narrative, all of this noise in the world where we're so constantly competing with the men, even when it's not necessary. Uh, Do do you find that that takes away from all that we can be and it creates unnecessary stress and pressure? Yeah, no, I'm so glad you brought this up. And it's something that I kind of always have like conversations with in my head about, but never actually bring online to the online space. So I'm glad that you did is I, I, I definitely call myself a feminist, but the thing is, is you can say that word and it will like, it will like sound an alarm for some people like, oh my gosh, she thinks she's just like a man and absolutely not. I do not think I'm a man. I do not think I am like as strong as a man. I'm so, I really, I personally love being a woman and, um, you know, just wanting the same rights and opportunities for women as men does not mean that I think men and and women, males and females are the same beings. Like I definitely don't think that at all. And I think our our differences should be celebrated. Be any kind of extreme situation, I, I'm really not interested in. I'm not interested mm-hmm. in like, you know, oh, women are 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 weak and 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 soft and and can't, you know, can't handle XYZ. Like, don't tell me I can't handle anything. I'll figure it out. But at the yeah. same time, I also I don't want to be like I don't want to be a man. Like, I think I'm a very feminine uh, person and I think you can do both. I think you can be in this beautiful place in the middle and and women are, are all different. Some of them are slower, softer, more sensitive, and then some um, are 
you know, maybe still sensitive, but less so. Maybe they think, maybe they do have more endurance to, to work. Maybe they are more outspoken. And so they get more opportunities. Like there's everyone on the spectrum of that should be celebrated, Mm -hmm. but I completely agree with you. I have no interest in, um, competing with a man or trying to, trying Mm -hmm. to get things just because I see a man having it. You know, I think I've been learning the lesson of comparison in every form is so toxic. And the only thing that I want to, you know, I almost said the only person I want to compare myself to like is myself, is past self. But actually, I'm kind of going through a season of that where that's actually not been very healthy for me. Um, Comparing myself to versions of myself, like before the pandemic, for instance, like that's just like not, I think a lot of people have done that feel that way um and it's not very helpful but i guess i'll say it this way like i have lots of historical figures celebrities mm-hmm. etc who inspire me and who i would i love something about them that i try to emulate but at the end of the day if i'm being honest the person that inspires me the most is the version of myself that i know i'm capable of being not a man not someone yeah. else not someone beautiful i follow on instagram not any form of comparison. Like I know that there's this version of myself that I'm capable of being and I don't beat myself up for not being there yet. I also, I believe that there is like beautiful timing to everything and I, and I trust the process. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't need every goal that I, I have created to be hit right now, but that is kind of the motivator that, that I have is yeah. I know what I'm capable of becoming and she's actually what inspires me and and motivates me more so than trying to fight out men for opportunities or um, comparing myself to other women. Yeah, you've put it beautifully. And I know this is a a very like explosive conversation sort of because there are so many women out there who are in that place and they feel like anytime a woman says, oh, let's not compete with men. It's like you're saying they, they sort of hear you're not good enough. Let's just not right. go down this road. And that's just not true. I do hate that that narrative has become so insidious and so much a part of everything that's going on in our world. Like no woman is immune to that. So that really does yeah. bother me. And it, I, yeah, I will acknowledge that it does bring your back up anytime my father or my brother or my, one of my male friends would say something like, let me take care of this for you. It does. (laughs) Yeah. At no point can you just step back and be like, okay, sure. Thanks. Thank you so much. When I can do that, I feel awesome about it. But at the same time, you're like wondering, oh, does he now think that I can't do this on my own? Let me just clarify that. (laughs) So I would like get into a 20 minute monologue. Oh, I have so many responsibilities, so much to do. So that's why I'm offloading this. Don't think that I can't do this. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we're we're all a victim of that narrative. And it is understandable because... Because there has been so much repression for so, 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 so long. But the world is changing. Men are also facing so much struggle around so many of their issues where they want to be more like women. So I think that is energy that we can save. We don't need to be so obsessed with all of that and just focus, like bring the focus inward in on ourselves. And I have to ask you, because you play so many roles, you're an entrepreneur, and I know a lot of being an entrepreneur is a lot of hustle and working with very masculine energy and just going go, go, go from like the moment you get up in the morning. But you also work with women, which, you know, it's something you and I share, like you, you really have to turn that off and bring like a degree of sensitivity 
to your coaching. I think even if I coached men, it would be the same because I have volunteered in, and in those um, capacities, I've worked with men. You always require a lot of sensitivity when you show up to those sessions because you are making space for someone's emotions. So what is that like switching off from that place of hustle, hustle, hustle? Because you play multiple roles, something that most women are now aspiring to do. So what is that like for you? And then let's also get into how do you psych yourself up when you're having a crisis of confidence? Oh, I love that. Um, to answer your first question, I love what I love how you put it about creating space for the person that that mm-hmm. you're serving essentially in that moment. And I I applaud you for coaching men. I would have no idea how to do that. I would be very insecure about doing that. <laughs> Not so much because it's like, oh, because they're men and they intimidate me, but because I feel like I lean on a lot of my own like female experiences mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, in talking to other women and that gives us an, an easy connection point. So I definitely have to come down a little bit as far as like masculine energy, um, ambition when I am speaking with someone because I never want to assume that I never want to project any part of me mm-hmm, onto mm-hmm. the person that I am I'm coaching or working yeah. with. And I even have to do this within like our our trades of hope team is is mostly women and i work with a lot of women basically all day across both of my businesses and i never want to project my thought processes my priorities my goals or like the life that i'm working to create for myself on other people i don't want to assume that they want to work as much as me i don't want to assume that they want to work um you know as as hard as me and i don't mm-hmm. say that in a, condescending way about them. If they don't want to work as hard, I don't want them to work as hard. Mm -hmm. I want to help create, I want to help them create whatever their definition of success is. And if that means pulling back compared to me, then I'm going to help them do that. So I, I I think when I imagine, you know, bringing, bringing myself down a little bit to, to be sensitive to other people, I never want to assume that someone thinks, feels, believes, operates, or perceives the world the same way I do. Um, And it can be as simple as like not asking leading questions, asking open-ended questions, um, and and really just getting down to like the the emotional level of their answers without me thinking like, oh, well, they said X, Y, Z, and this is how, you know, I personally would address that problem in my own life. I want to get to like their emotional level without projecting Mm -hmm. mine. And I've worked with a lot of women who are, you know, I don't, I don't think, I don't say this in a negative way about them or about me. I work with a lot of women who have goals, but they're a lot, you know, softer than I am. And I think it's Mm -hmm. beautiful. Like, I think it's really beautiful, but it means I'm not going to create like a a goal setting plan for them where they have to hustle and grind for it every single day. Um, That's kind of where I think the sensitivity for me comes in is just never assuming that, you know, people are like me. If they say, I love everything that you do and I love your lifestyle. Okay. Then that's a different story. I never (laughs) want to approach someone in that way. And as far as how I hype myself up when I'm feeling a lack of confidence, oh gosh, it can, it can be so many things. If I'm being honest, the first thing that comes to mind that I probably do the most often is if I'm feeling a lack of confidence, sometimes, well, first I check a calendar and see where in my cycle I am because that usually has to do with my cycle. Um, And then I think, okay, it's not, it's, it's not 
any external circumstances. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just my body and that's okay. Um, but sometimes if I'm able to, if I have the schedule that would allow me to, I just, I let myself have an off day. Like I don't feel like I need to be a powerhouse, confident, amazing, like version of myself every single day. And I feel I'm, I'm fairly honest about that online. You know, I don't like to harp on the negative things. Um, but you know, I post on Instagram on my stories almost daily. And I think that's kind of where I show more of the daily updates. And if I'm not feeling it, or if I feel like I look like a troll because I just, I'm off, like I just don't feel good that day, then I am pretty honest about it most of the time. But if I'm in a situation where I have to get confident, I have to step into a version of myself that's confident because I need to serve other people. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's a client call. Maybe it's a speaking engagement. Um, maybe it's a, a meeting that I have to lead. Like I know that my level of confidence actually dictates how well I show up for people. That yeah. is when I will definitely like step into it. And that can be, um, you know, it could be the the kind of the tips we hear all the times, like turning on a playlist that hypes you up and, and just right. blasting it in the car. I mean, I've been known to blast Beyonce in the car on the way to a speaking engagement and just, you know, let it all out and um, kind of use someone else's confidence as a crutch yeah. for a little while. I think that is actually totally okay, by the way, to yeah, kind of borrow of someone else's confidence and allow you to, to step into that. I Again, I think seeing other women who are confident is what's going to breed confidence in women the most. And sometimes yeah. you do have to kind of borrow someone else's confidence and say, I love how she shows up. I love how she looks me in the eye. I love how she stands yeah. up straight. I don't know how she got to that point, but I'm just going to start doing those things now and, and try to emulate her. But if I'm being honest, I think the things that get me the most confident is when I like look myself in the mirror and just try to be kind to myself. Like when I, like, I think when you're not feeling confident, that's when the negative self-talk can really like rise to the, to the conscious level. And, you know, I have a picture of myself as a child. I'm like two or three or something on my vanity. And it's so important for me to keep there. I think some people think it's like narcissistic, like, okay, she has a, a baby photo of herself on her mirror. But to me, it's to remind me of like, who's inside of me? Like, I'm not just a body. Like I'm, I, there is like a a person in me that has thoughts, that has emotions, that, um, has memories and has a future that she's working to create. And that includes, you know, if you have a future, uh, you have a past as well. And I, when I see that photograph of myself as a child, you know, if I'm feeling discouraged, maybe I missed out on an opportunity, maybe like, I, you know, the analytics on a project I'm working on just isn't going really well. And I feel super discouraged. I look at that photo and I think, oh my gosh, like three-year-old Elizabeth would be so like her jaw would be on the floor if she could see the life that we were living right now. And it makes me like, I'm already getting chills. Like it makes me emotional every single time. And I'm just like, gosh, if three-year-old Elizabeth saw like 28-year-old Elizabeth walking across the room right now, she would she would be enthralled. Like she would be enthralled with that woman and would like want to, would hope that she would come over and talk to her. And those are the things that I remember. And sometimes I kind of think of my childhood self is like near me or like in the room or like inside of me, like a gut voice inside of me or something. And yeah. I just think like, oh my gosh, like we did it. Like we haven't done everything that we wanted to do, but look at this life and look at how beautiful things are. And as soon as I connect to that inner child version of myself, I can step out onto a stage. I can get onto a, a 
a, a coaching call with a client. Like, and, and sure, in those moments, I might not be like the powerhouse, like motivational speaker that I, I wish I was all the time. Right. But I am a genuine, authentic version of myself who's proud of herself, who's filled with gratitude and who is now no longer focused on like her negative self-talk and can focus on the person that she needs to show up for and serve in that moment. That is such a beautiful, beautiful answer. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. It's so helpful and you are so right. Like compassion, being compassionate to yourself. I struggle a lot with that. I have always have a hard time switching off from that place. So thank you for sharing all of that. And yes, you know, cycle, your cycle can really screw with you. So let's please remember that. <laughs> yes, that's another way. Like, you know, if if you're a female, I'm sorry. Like that is, you can't be just like a man. Like that is a, a reality yeah. you have to deal with. And, uh, you know, as long as we're all open and honest about that, then then that's okay. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you for mentioning that. Like I would uh, have all of this insane focus and my cycle would hit. And then yeah. I'm like, I would wake up and like where's all my focus <laughs> so yeah I think yeah. acknowledging that sort of allows you to have that compassion it is definitely a struggle especially for women who are in in the throes of building a business because you really do not have the space and the time to just take a day off and just not show right. up that's right. hard what you said about your childhood self that is yeah that was deeply emotional and that's so true because I think, I, I don't know, I have uh, pictures of myself, like we put up, uh, we covered a whole wall with childhood pictures, because wow. it sort of grounds every member of the family when we look at those pictures. So mm -hmm. I think it's, it's true for everyone, what you shared. And yeah, sometimes I feel like I'm fighting for little Krati, and that sort of adds like an extra boost of power to how I show up, especially in confrontations, yeah. especially when I feel like someone has just is not taking me seriously or I've been taken for granted or, you know, like the world is telling me, oh, you're you're aiming too high. Maybe just, you know, come down a little bit. And I'm like, no, no, you know what? I'm going to do this for her. So, wow, so incredible, so deeply emotional. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. But I have to ask you, because this is something that fascinated me as I went through your website and all of the content that you create, like Trades of Hope is a deeply emotional project for you, as you shared. Yeah. And then being a coach, as you said, you have to show up as the woman that you are. You want these women to become. Like even if you're yeah. not feeling like that woman on that particular day, you kind of have to still show yeah. up like that, right? Because if you are having a crisis of confidence in a session, that's gonna really make the other person very insecure. So, and then obviously we all have an online personas we have to maintain. So there's yeah. the the trades of hope is such a personal project and there's the work you do as a coach then there's the fact that you are yourself an entrepreneur you have to take care of the results that are showing up across all projects so there's that very logical it's very analytical mind that kicks in wherein you you care about your profits because obviously you know it, it, that, that also matters and then there's the online persona you have to maintain how much of myself do i share with the world and yeah all of it requires a very high degree of authenticity because all of it is story oriented and emotion oriented. How the hell do you balance all of that? <laughs> um, I don't think I do it all like uh, perfect. I don't. I don't do it all perfectly at the same mm -hmm. time. Uh, I think we all search for like a perfect balance 
And I just don't think life is perfectly balanced. I think things are constantly going in and out of balance. Mm-hmm. One thing that just on a logistical level has really helped me is um, blocking out certain days or um, just parts of days for certain projects. That has been extremely helpful for me. Um, not having like a to-do list, but putting things that I know need to get done on the calendar because, you know, otherwise I would have a to-do list that is not, it's not manageable in a day or even in a week. And and then I, and then I really do erode my, my self-confidence because I'm, I have this long list of things that I didn't accomplish that day or that week. Um, so instead right. of just creating a list, I put things in my calendar and then I know like, okay, the, this is a reasonable amount of things to expect of me for today. Um, okay. That's been super, super helpful. But it can be, you know, that's like an, a logistical answer to how I balance things, but it is kind of emotional and vulnerable, as you say, to put parts of yourself online and you always wonder what is too much or what's too little. Am I boring people or overwhelming people? Um, and, and in putting yourself out there, all of a sudden everything feels very personal because it's not just like, oh, I, I, I made this graphic and I put it out there. It's like my face and my personality and my voice and my mannerisms and um the, the, even the vulnerable things that I say, like the content of the message, if those things are rejected, that feels very, very personal. And, and honestly, prop, maybe it is personal. Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe pe- certain people just uh, don't like me and don't align with me, and that's okay as well. Um, that is one kind of one thing I've definitely had to come to terms with, and I talk about online a lot. Like if you decide to be a confident woman, because I think a part of it, like it takes time to, to grow into – but it is a decision. Like you decide if I want to step into this version of myself. I decide if I want to do this work. I decide if I want to show up even if I'm scared. And if you make that decision to become a more confident version of yourself, there will 100% be people who don't like you. Um, it's just going to be a fact. And it could be because yeah. they're insecure themselves and, and, and there's something triggering about you when you step into a confidence. Yeah. Um, triggering for them, not triggering to everyone. Um, it, it could be because people just don't like the same things that you like and you talk about it in yeah. a way that's so confident and so assertive, which there's nothing wrong with. It just means that people don't align with your interests then anymore. Or it could be, you know, it, it could just be you say a certain word, like we'll just use the word feminist for, for example, you say a certain yeah. word with confidence. Like I'm, I'm a feminist and I'm really proud mm-hmm. to be a feminist. But people make a snap judgment and decide, well, she's not for me anymore because I think that she means she thinks women and men are exactly the same. And Mm -hmm. that's definitely not what I meant. So – and then there's just the this kind of the mathematics behind it all. Like the the more confident you become, the more opportunities you're going to take, the more posts you're going to make, the more – times you're going to speak up. And, and in a numbers game, that just means you have more opportunities for people to like you and align with you, but also not align with you. One of my business coaches, yeah. she always says that more is more. You want more of the good things. You want more people to follow you, more people to like you. You're also going to get more people who unfollow you and more people who don't yeah. like you. And if you want more of a good thing, you're going to get more of the, the negative ramifications as well. And you just have to decide if you're okay with that. I agree with you 100%. And I think this is when you're sort of building yourself up, when you're in that phase of life where you are still in the process of recognizing, oh, this is who I am. I'm going to show up like this and I'm going to build this 
kick ass business out of this and then this is going to be my life i think that sort of it's not that easy to take rejection during those periods because then suddenly yeah. somebody's like yeah well you want all of these things but are you good enough you're not right according to me right. you're not and even if that is some random person who does not matter to you you're taken aback and that sort of throws you for a loop and you start wondering maybe this person is right I yeah. think those are the the moments that decide where your life is going to go. Are you going to make it or not? So okay. I do. And I, I love that you have this outlook. I mean, I've loved all that you shared today, but it's particularly this outlook where you're as accepting of the negative as you are of as you're as welcoming as you are to the good. You're also as accepting of the negatives in your life or whatever comes your way, even if it is just feedback that you really don't want to hear. And as much as I value the negative feedback, because that helps me learn, none of us actually want to hear criticism, you yeah. know, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> so No, yeah. I'm if I'm honest, I'm actually really bad at receiving negative criticism. <laughs> I'm really bad at it. I've not mastered that yet. I need a coach for that, honestly. Um, that is not something someone should hire me to to handle because I have not ma- mastered that yet. It's <laughs> it is difficult. It's definitely difficult. But um and it's not easy, you know, like it's easy to say phrases like, oh, more is more. And just you accept the the bad with the good. I'm not saying that that doesn't sting in the moment. It does. But those are the things that you keep in mind to keep you going. And I love how you, how you just worded, worded it. Like those are the moments then that dictate where you're going and how far you're going and what kind of life you're going to create for yourself. Like, can you overcome those moments or are you going to let those moments call the shots in your life and rewrite your future? Um, it, I'm definitely not saying it's easy, but it is definitely a part of the process. Yeah, I mean, you're doing it wonderfully. So <laughs> we yeah. all really appreciate that you are showing up as this uh, person. You're, I think you're, you also manage to be very authentic, something that I honestly um, find not so easy because I'm someone who's very private. So but so much of my coaching is oriented around my story, like women want to know my story, men want to know my stories. Mm-hmm. So I think that is also a very difficult line to walk. So do you ever have those moments where you're like, I don't want to share more of myself. Let's just do the work. Let's not share so much of what is mine. Yeah, I mean, that can vary to like just today. I don't feel like giving people a piece of me today. Um, you know, I, that sounded like I thought I'm this mega celebrity. I don't feel that way, but um, that's kind of what it sounded like. I'm, I am self-aware. I know that I'm not famous or anything, but um, it is just it is just as simple as like, I don't feel like putting my face on my Instagram stories today. I don't mm-hmm. feel like filming today. I don't feel like putting out, a, you know, a message today. And I listen to my body and, and and I do kind of feel like it comes from somewhere in my body, like not even just my mind, like it comes from a deep part of me. And um, I, I respect it and I listen to it. And I think respecting that feeling um, mm-hmm. is important for longevity and, and, and seeing how far you'll go and to reach your, your goals and your dreams um, is being self-aware and listening to what you need or what you don't need. Um, but it also can be like certain, certain topics of, of my life. Like for instance, like my, my relationship, I just, I know my partner and he doesn't want my camera in his face all the time. He doesn't mind if I post about him, but like if he just doesn't want me like filming up his, like close to his face and, and constantly like making that the focus of our time together. So I don't do that. And, and that just means less of the internet gets that part of me, but that's mm-hmm, okay because mm-hmm. it doesn't inhibit any of my businesses doing that. It doesn't inhibit any of the impact I want to have in the world. Um, if anything, it kind of keeps people more focused on my work. I think a lot of people are nervous to put themselves out on the internet 
And I don't think that that is misplaced. I think that those nerves are very normal. Yeah. But I think what they don't realize is that you can call the shots and decide how much of yourself you want to give. And I follow some women where they only talk about their business and, and their products and they're, and that's it. And that's great. And they're very successful in doing so. Mm-hmm. And I also follow some women who, I don't know how they do this, but they quite literally post like every minute of every day on their Instagram stories or in their yeah. YouTube videos or something like that. And they show their children, they show their relationship, they show them crying. And I'm just like, that's a lot, but like I watch it. I don't want to go that far, but mm-hmm, you can mm-hmm. call the shots and decide how much yeah. of yourself you want to give to to the world online anywhere on that spectrum. And so, yeah, I think I remain authentic because I, I have kind of found where my line is. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy to laugh at myself and, and, you know, if I, like today I had like kind of a an embarrassing thought pop into my head today. And I thought it was funny though. So I talked about it on my Instagram story and that was cool and funny. And a lot of people DM'd me and laughed and they were like, oh, you're so like relatable or whatever. Um, But at the same time, I don't, I don't share every personal thing. There are a lot of things that happen in my life that the internet knows absolutely nothing about. And okay. (laughs) I love it. I love that you, you know, uh, you, you are showing women how we can like maintain humility, be so confident as to go out there and achieve all of these things and still stay grounded and not lose our sense of self, which I think I, I appreciate a lot because as things start to get competitive, as things start to sort of, you know, catch speed, you can very easily spiral. So thank yeah. you so much for sharing that. Now, let's just like last fun question. If anything was possible with, uh, you know, your all of your projects, what is the the impact you want to create? Like if everything, all the breaks are off, anything's possible. Wow, the impact I want to create. You know, someone asked me once if you were able to miraculously attend your own funeral. You know, you're you're watching your funeral as a, as a participant in the crowd. Imagine someone comes up to give your obituary. Like, what are they going to say about you? Mm-hmm. And for some reason, immediately, this was like almost 10 years ago. And I think about it all the time, almost immediately I had this, like this vision in my mind of a woman walking to like a podium or whatever. And awkwardly, my dead body is nearby, which is weird. Um, (laughs) Don't want to dwell on that too much. But a woman walks up to the podium and says, you know, I didn't use my voice. I didn't speak up for myself. I didn't speak up for opportunities I wanted. I didn't um, show the world what I was capable of, but Elizabeth taught me how to use my voice and to speak unapologetically and to go for opportunities even when I was scared. And that is the kind of impact I want to have, whether it is with coaching or whether it is with women that we partner with around the world with Trades of Hope. Like, I just want women to go for it. I want them to go for it. And, And maybe they quote unquote fail sometimes. Maybe it doesn't go as they envisioned. Maybe um, like their worst fears, the worst embarrassment actually manifests into reality, but they're not going to regret going for it. They're not going to regret going for the dream. You know, so many, most regrets in life at the end of people's lives is they didn't spend enough time with the people that they loved or they regret not going for what they wanted. And I yeah. don't want women to not go for what they want. Like, if you're listening to this, I know, like, you know what you want. Like, I know you know what you want. Just go for it. Just go do it. And don't 
get to that end point in your life and think, oh, I never went for it. I never did it. I never used my voice. I didn't speak up for what I know I knew was right. I didn't share my ideas. I didn't share my opinions. I didn't put myself up for that opportunity. And I wish I had. Like, I want to help women avoid that. And I know that's kind of a, a, a vague answer, but no. if, if I could just at the end of my life, life, meet one woman who was able to do that because I existed and used my own voice, then my life would, would be worth it for sure. Absolutely. I, I'm sure you've already like helped a lot of women do that. <laughs> so I think that dream sort of has been realized, but I love, love what you shared. It's so incredibly beautiful and so typical of you as I'm starting to realize, you know, the more I interact with your content, you are a very beautiful person and you are creating a lot of inspiration and a lot of just making space for women in so many different ways. And I thank you for that. And just thank you for being such a such a wonderful guest today. Thank you, Elizabeth. I'm just I'm really honored that you invited me here and that we've had the opportunity opportunity to meet. It's an honor to to know you and to have this conversation with you. Well, what do you know? We've reached the end of this episode. Thank you so much for joining me today, for supporting the podcast and for sharing your time with me. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to the show on whatever podcast platform you love. You can also watch the video version of the interviews and most of the solo episodes on my YouTube channel. Link is in the episode description. Now, if you've made it this far, you must love the content at least a little bit, or maybe you just like hanging out with me, or there was something in this particular episode that resonated with you. Or maybe it's all of those things. I would love to know. So if you've got a minute, it will be great if you can drop a review on Apple Podcasts, or you can send me your thoughts on the show via email. Now, if you want content that goes deeper than even the podcast does with a lot of real life stories, one-on-one -on -one interactions, or just become part of my tribe, subscribe to my weekly newsletter. The link is in the episode description. Once again, thank you so, so much for sharing your time with me. Take care and I will be back soon with the next episode.